Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. You guys ready this morning? All right. In Philippians 4, 6, I'm going to read different translations of this scripture. All right. Be anxious for nothing. That's the New King James, NIV. Do not be anxious about anything. God's word, never worry about anything. Living Bible, don't worry about anything. There's a common understanding of what this Bible's trying to tell us in different translations, that is this. God commands us don't have any worry in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I saw this scripture and the first time I uh, heard a message on this, I thought, are you gotta, you gotta be kidding me. You can't live life without cares and worries and, and, and all the things that life presents to you. And it was tough because you're hearing scriptures at the place where I was, not at the knowledge I have now, but the place I was is like, how can that be? How can this be? Don't, don't worry about anything. I'm worrying right now just about worrying about nothing. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's like you look at this, but again, we look at things at where we're at in our life. We define things based upon our definition, how, how you view life, how you've been trained in life. Now you, we all don't have the same definitions for everything. We don't. We have different perceptions of understanding of different words in our life. But God has the truth. And this truth is something that we can all conform. Everybody say conform. Well, we can all conform to. And it'll benefit us all. So that we're not all out of sync in our harmony of life. Because I believe the church, man, most of the church is like, hey, you know, scratching nails on chalkboard. And that's how we sound together. Instead of having this, this unity and this harmony of scripture. And that's what I want us to have. Because this is important when it comes to having a, a life that I believe is what, where God wants us. He would not put this in there if we couldn't have it. It's there. And I know everybody in here, if I could say right now, if I was able to go like this, and all worries and cares would, 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 would no longer be a part of your life, y'all would go, give me some of that. Wave a couple times, right? But see, this is what God's saying. He's saying, this is what is available to you. Now, back then, again, when I heard this, it was like, How? How can a person live this life? But I could say that about so many other scriptures because I was a newbie. I was a noob in this faith. I didn't have a clue about anything. And so when I'm hearing this information, it's, it's, it's not easy to get in. And as I continue to grow in this word and continue to receive, according to the way I was brought up on this earth, I got this quick. I recognize that most people I saw in church were going against the natural way of learning. And that is, anytime they were taught, it would have to go through, they know everything. And the scripture makes it very clear, you don't know anything. 
You never knew anything. Especially if you have religion in you, you no way know anything. And when we receive Jesus, we become spiritually alive to finally start receiving, not to define or to establish what a, what a understanding is, no, but to receive instruction. So when you actually, when you say, Jesus is Lord, I believe in you, you now are able to get that big old fat crayon and put one plus one and figure out it's two. And that's how we grow. And that's the way you grow in a successful way. Not saying it's, it, it, it's easy to do. Ne I've never said that. But it is the right way to grow in knowing that you have to be taught and receive the instruction. Amen? And so that's what we're going to do. Now, be anxious for nothing. And that word is marimna. And it literally means a state of being pulled apart. It's actually a picture of, of intrusive thoughts that are bringing instability. Intrusive thoughts that are bringing instability. Now, for, for those that have been a part of Love Life for a while, you, you've got a good foundation of that this is about this right here. And we're talking about having a, a, a strong life, having a life of uh, being able to make good and right decisions, uh, ability to make good choices, uh, we recognize it, the battle's here, all here. Everything that you do today is because it's, it's your training. Now, if you're not doing what you used to do, it's your training. Do you understand this? It's not a, it's not a Christianese magical wand or a, or a special prayer that was placed over you. No, it's you've now made different choices because you've got different information and that information now helping you to make the right choice that gives you a different outcome. That's, that's what this is all about. And that's what we expect. First Peter 5, 7 says this. Casting a few of your cares upon him. What? Is that what your guys' Bibles read? No, because you don't have a Bible in front of you. Well, some of you have your phone Bibles in front of you. Okay. But the, but the thing is this. Or you have, you have really strong trust and I'm going to give you the word right, and I like that. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, Jesus, upon God, for he cares for you. Again, another scripture that, now remember, when you can understand this about you, just in the, just the natural of who you are, Everything you base your understanding or information is tied to your experiences, your training. So you define in that manner. So you can hear something. Let's say, you know, your whole life you're a loser. You just, you just don't make right decisions. You, 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 things don't come your way like other people. So you start seeing yourself in that manner. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, you're more than a conqueror. And you're looking at your life and going, well, that, that's a lie. God's saying, I'm more than a conqueror, but look at my life. And this is how, listen, I'm telling you, this is what church people do all the time. You define God's word based upon your experience. So you say it's not true or it can't happen. That's what, we all do this. 
until we get to the place where we start realizing, no, I'm going to learn correctly. The way I learn correctly is I don't know anything. So teach this word and I'll receive it. I don't get full understanding right now. I didn't go to first grade day one and then day two went to second grade. It doesn't work that way. It took a process of time. And then I went to second grade and a process of time. And then the third grade. And each time you're, you're elevating the information. Everybody understand that? Well, of course we all do. But then we get churchy and we don't, we don't understand anything anymore that way. Now it's like, prove it. Instead of receiving. The quicker I understood that is the quicker I started to grow in my life. The, I quit battling everything. I quit fighting it. It's so frustrating to hear this and to sit there and try to determine your knowledge is greater than God's. That you know more. But we won't say it, but we live it. But we won't say it. Are you guys with me? You guys are acting all guilty. Just start smiling, shake your head, and you know, turn to your neighbor and go, that's right there. So he says, casting all your care, Marimna, that anxiety, that state of being pulled apart, cast that to him, to God. Why? For he cares, melo. That's a different word. That's a different word of care. It's not, he doesn't have anxiety and fear and worry over you. This care is, is more of th this, he has an interest of, and a forethought toward you. It's like a father caring for his children. They're not freaking out worried. They're, they're caring for what's going on in their lives. That's the father. That's what he's saying to us. Cast our care. And, and where did I read this? What was the scripture? First who? Well, who? Yeah. He'd be needing to cast a ton of cares to Jesus. I mean, think about it. Think about his life. The, the dude was always putting his foot in his mouth. He was always just blah, blah. No, you don't have to go to the cross, blah, blah. I'll never, I'll never deny you. Who, I don't believe in him. I don't blink, you blink, believe in Jesus. I mean, this guy was messed up. And now he's here, cast all your care. What care? He knows what he's talking about. He's got the cares of issues, cares of decisions, cares of things that happen in his life, just like you do. A lot of those cares, majority of those cares, are you made. I just know how oh, we're going to pay. I don't know how we're going to pay. We'll quit using the credit card like it's free. You're acting like me when I was when I first got my job and, and the, the department store gave me a credit card because I worked there. I don't have a clue what this is. It's free money. That's all I know. And I was buying everything. I tell you a story. I bought a I bought an inflatable canoe. What am I gonna do with an inflatable canoe? And then all of a sudden these bills started coming, and I'm like, God, I can't even pay those bills. That's how a lot of people do life. And then they're sitting there in a the position where they're going, help me, Jesus, help me. And 
It's our problem. Whoa, 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 but wait a minute. This is the issue. This is where, you ready to do the, the freak out? Because here we can freak out, all right? This is how you freak out. Like I said, most of these cares that we have, we caused. And there's nowhere, and I've checked, I've checked this, nowhere in scripture where, where anywhere God says, where Jesus says this, cast all your cares only if you didn't cause them. If you cause them, deal with them. You won't find it anywhere in the Bible. So now that's a freak out. But I made the bad decision, God's going, oh, I know that. And it's really ruining my life. Oh, I know that one too. And then what does he do? This is, how can you not want to be a part of this faith? Oh, I know why. Because of religion. But when you teach the reality of this thing, and you start seeing the goodness of God, you kidding me? How could you not want this? Because he turns to me and says, Daniel, all your care. But God, all your care. Yeah, but if I didn't, all your care. Y'all need to hear this. Guarantee you a bunch of you can list a ton of cares right now. I mean, they're real. And your heart is wanting this to be helped. Here's your help. Here's your help. Cast all your care. How many? Did it say just big ones? Did it say small ones only? All right. Remember what I said last week? I said, the way you can get to the place of trust and, and getting this, this right relationship with God is talk to about him. Talk to him about anything and everything, period, whatever it is. I don't care if it's about your shoes. Honestly, I don't. Everything and anything. And by doing that, you open up this relationship with you and him. And it, and it works. I promise you it works. Like I said, I, I, I had a lot to deal with in this father-son relationship because of my dad's relationship with me. But I've overcome. I've overcome because his word is life and light to me. And so I'm asking you to hear these words and recognize that quit waiting for the big cares. Start being obedient to what his word says and you'll experience what his word says. Get these little things out because little things become destructive big things if not taken care of. Are you hearing me? Little things become destructive big things because they all add up. Let me give you a case in point. Here, Daniel, come over here and help me with this stuff. There's too many weights. I don't want to be lifting them right now. All of them. Just bring them all over here. You can help. Joshua, get up. 
Uh, yeah, just set them right. Yeah, right there. All nice and neat. All right. Good job, Mr. Joshua. And Mr. Backpack. All right. I need a volunteer. Someone, someone not large, someone small. Come on up here. You're not getting money for doing this, by the way. <laughs> All right, you hold this. Hallelujah. There you go. This is the backpack of life. Of course you do. Put it on. All right, so I just read the scripture, cast all your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. We've all heard it, right? But I want you to see a picture of what happens in life. We've, because what this reveals according to God's word is exactly what we need to understand about what life's about, how it operates. See, we have a backpack of, in our life, and when it's empty, it's all cool, huh? It's nothing, man. It's like, I can do this. This is nothing. But then when you have a care, what's your name? Jade? All right. Jade, you're going to now deal with cares, all right? And now you got a little care, and you're dealing with it. And I just read you the scripture, Jade. And the scripture says, cast all your care. But no, you know what? Your ass, it's not that big a deal. So because it's not that big a deal, let's put the little care right in the backpack of life. So you're like going, it's all good. You know, this is life. It's experiencing. It's a small care. Right, Jade? It's small. It's a small care. I can deal with this. And because she's now used to this, go walk, walk this way. And then walk this way. Yeah, that's life, living life. Not a big deal. I can deal with the care. Well, all of a sudden, another care comes. But see, see, cares understand this. If you're going to care, then you're going to care. So now, Jade is like going, I can deal with the cares. And then another small care. And Jade's like going, well, you know, it's life. It's a little care. God's busy. God's got a whole lot to deal with, especially with what's going on in our government and the world. The things are really frustrating. And God's, you know, he's like going, Jade says, I can deal with this. So she brings in another care. And another care. And another care. And another one. Oh my gosh. You just didn't do that. You know what? This is good because Jade realized it's too stinking heavy and she just casts the cares to the Lord. All right. Thank you, young lady. Dude, that, that, that actually was perfect, except I was a little late. Jade's like going, I'm going to help you, Pastor. You'd be dragging on the message right now. Thank you, Jade. Good girl. So 
What, it was getting heavy, huh? But see, this is what I want you to understand is, is this what we're doing? We're all packing, the, not that packing. We're all, we're all packing these cares upon our lives. Now, this is what I know, and I, I need you just to believe me, um, based upon my fruit and experience and my walk, my journey, all the years that I've been doing this, I, I think it's time for you to put some trust in your pastor and recognize that he's, he probably understands a little bit about this stuff. And I want you to know that when you continue to hold on to cares, you, you literally operate in a picture of pride. And God's wanting to deliver you and lift you up. And he can't, pride is one of the most dangerous things that can take place in your life. And we do this, and, and, and listen, I'm not saying it that you're trying to be arrogant or mean or, or just, just an attitude about all that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying is when you, when you go to God and say, God, this is too small, I'll deal with it. But God said, no, give them to me. The power of your relationship with him is gonna be tied to your ability to trust him in the small things. Small things first. Because see, I, I'm gonna tell you, the big is gonna come. And I'm not a doom, you know, this, this doom and gloom preacher. But we all know what life, life brings, you know, throws a hardball. And sometimes it's a curveball. And sometimes it's a change up. And you're like, going, ah. And our responsibility is to allow God, his word, to help us navigate this life. And so he says, what? Cast every care you have. Start doing these small things. Give them to me. And what you're doing is you're opening up a dialogue. You're getting a place of putting your love and trust to him. And I'm telling you, there's no better place to be than to know that God cares about your, your little toe. He cares about these things. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This is fact. He cares about it all. And the more you hold it in, the more weight you're carrying in life. And I promise you, you can't run as fast. You can't walk as good. You can't do anything in living life great by carrying a bunch of weights. You can't. But once you get that off you, ooh, swing away. Are you guys hearing me? So we need to have a free life from care. First Peter 5.8 says, why do we need to have it? Because be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. He says what? Be sober. It's interesting words because that word literally means what sober means today. Don't be filled with intoxication. And I know love life. I know there's a lot of you in your past that you've been drunk. So I'm not gonna ask for examples because most of you are gonna all raise your hands and wanna give me examples of what it means to be drunk. So you all know what being drunk means, right? 
But what I would like to know is, has, has there anybody in here ever, never, ever, ever been drunk before? Okay, well, there's a few of you. All right, party at my house tonight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, let, you're gonna have to take my word from it because you do not want anything to do with alcohol. I can't, you, I can tell you right now, there's no statistic you can find that's gonna say it's good. None, none whatsoever. But I can show you many, 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 many statistics on abuse, child abuse, uh, spousal abuse, um, d- killing people while driving, all, all because of alcohol. So let me tell you about the intoxication effects. What happens when you get drunk? It says be sober, what it means. Don't be drunk in life. And what happens when you're drunk? Think about it. You, you don't think correctly. You, you, you amplify everything. You're emotionally just unsound. I don't care what you say. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just looking at how you guys act. And you just, you, you overflow with the inability to be secure you laugh at things that aren't funny. You say things that you're going to regret. Are you guys hearing me? I'm talking too close to home, ain't I? Well, that was our past. But that's what happens, right? So we know that once this drug gets in us, we stop thinking correctly, acting correctly. So that's why he says, be sober. What is he saying? He's saying, when you want to have victory, you start carrying cares, what are you going to do? You're not going to think right. As you keep putting these intoxicated thoughts, you get scared, you're worried. Are they going to do this? Are they going to take this from me? Are they going to, is this person going to love me? This person going to like me? Am I going to keep my job? Are they going to fire me? And you start thinking all these, because you're what? You're drunk by the cares. Are you guys hearing? That's why he says be sober. Then he says be vigilant. Vigilant is a military term. It's a term that, that shows a person that is in the, in the Greek, it's, it's a position of not, letting you get tired and losing awareness. So it'd be like, to be non-vigilant would be, I'd be, you know, I'm trying to protect something. I'm Well, you're not vigilant. The enemy just walked around, you stole everything in your house and walked away. Are you guys with me? So he says, be vigilant, be awake, be aware. Be, be sober and then be awake and aware. Are you guys with me? All right. I'm gonna give you a story that is gonna be very, very impacting, and I believe just by seeing this happen will get you to recognize that God is on our side. And when you really understand that he is not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you. 
Uh, these are foundational truths that I, I know that I know. There was a time I didn't know that I know. There was a time when any altar call took place, I was running up getting saved again and again. There are times when I believe that I, I, I cross the line to where God doesn't love me anymore. Now, that is impossible to find any scriptures that'll back that up. You can't, but that's what happens because the enemy, Diablo, a compound word of the enemy's actions of how he operates. He pounds that mind with thoughts that are intrusive. You'll never, you can't, it ain't for you. Who do you think you are? God doesn't care, God doesn't like you, God doesn't want you. And they just keep coming, they keep coming. And he's waiting for you, as a roaring lion, he's waiting for you to go, really? To accept that bait. He's trying to find out. He's looking to see who he can. So the thoughts, these thoughts throw out there. Now, let me give you a level up point. And the level up point is this. You're going to get thoughts. Guarantee you're going to have crazy thoughts. How many of you have had some crazy thoughts just coming to church? You had crazy thoughts. Okay, see, that's what I'm saying. I know more of you did. Only five of you are, are being real right now. You're just scared. But crazy thoughts happen, right? But until you put life to the thought, that's all it is. And it's when you speak the thought, that's when it becomes a problem. See, people can have issues here. It's when they start speaking the issues is when these things start getting hold of your life. Scripture says, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. And Jesus said that. He said, take no thought saying, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna dress? How are we gonna, how are we gonna live life? How are we gonna make it? He said, don't take a thought saying these things. And, then he, and, he, and he explains what he's trying to get us to understand, and that is God cares for us, period. He's gonna take care of you. But don't allow the thought to become alive by you speaking that word. You understand? So you need to, you, you get a wild thought, don't say it, don't speak it. We're, we're good. I mean, if you're married, you're really good at doing that. Because we, we do, we just, we just start speaking out stuff. We want to convince, we want to establish, you know, specific proofs and whatever. So we say things, thinking that's to our advantage, but it isn't. That's why the word is very clear on, if we want to get to the level where God wants us, it's we don't want to speak bad or negative or, or, or wrong things. We all do it, right? All of us, we all say things we wish we didn't say. Isn't this true? Okay, but God's word says, don't do it. And we're like, really? But he still says, don't do it. That's what I, all I'm trying to say is this. We're supposed to grow toward him. We're supposed to live our lives engaged to his standard, not ours. So I don't throw a fit and I don't get all mad because God says, no, I want you to speak this way. I don't, I don't want to, I can't, I never, I don't want to do that. That's a spoiled little brat. 
I want to hear that word, and I want to mold and shape my life to that word. So I'm going to recognize it's going to take time. Amen? It's going to take some time. But that's my journey. That's my journey. Is that your journey? All right. Genesis 15, 6. Genesis 15, 6. This is the beginning of the story of, of Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah. This is the beginning of the Jewish race. This is the beginning of Israel. This is the beginning of the Hebrew nation. It's very important to understand this because when you look at this in the right light, you start seeing how God is operating in a way that, that just, just is, is so awesome. Because there are other nations he could have picked. I'll just take this nation. Here's a group of people, and, and they have a unity and a oneness. I'll pick this group. Or he'll go over and I'll pick this group. But what he did is he picked Abram. 75-year-old man, been married to his wife for a long time. She's barren. The Bible says she can't have any kids. I mean, straight up, introduction to Sarah. Sarah, Abraham's wife, she's barren. Yay, Sarah! Barren Sarah! I mean, it's pretty crazy, huh? And then God is talking to Abram, Abraham, and revealing his future in relationship with him. And he starts communicating things that were like, what? <laughs> Who are you talking to, God? And he's saying, this is what's going to happen in your life. Trust me. So Abram decides, I'm going to trust him. I believe in God. That's where he was at. This guy was not, quote, a Jew. He was not a Hebrew. There's no such thing. That came years and years later. This is a guy that lived in, the, you know, somewhere toward... Iran, in Chaldea, they worship the moon god. But this position in Abram's life was he was believing that there was a god. Now, we're not too far from the flood. We're not too far from the, the whole new race from Noah and his family. So there's still this understanding that there is a God. But because of the process of time and the nature of the flesh, this nature of sin, people were going opposite than toward God. So God's saying, I need to start this and I need to get this going in a direction that's gonna ultimately produce an end to all this mess in humanity by bringing Jesus on earth. And so... Abram now is in this place where he's hearing God and he's saying, okay, and, and this is what I want you to do and understand this and, and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna work together and we're gonna turn this thing around. So Abram and Sarah, Sarah are on their life's journey and this is where we're at. We're verse 15, chapter 15, verse six. He says, a, a son will come from your own body and will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look at the heavens, count the stars. If you indeed, you can count them. So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and it credited to him as righteous. Abraham heard God speak to him. 
God reveals that this is what your life is going, this is what your family lineage is going to be, where you can't count how many people are part of your family. And Abram believes. All right, you ready? 10 years later, 10 years later after this. Ready? This is God's man. He picked him. He picked Sarah. I mean, two of the least people that you would pick. I mean, if I'm God, I'm picking some 20-year-old. You know, I'm one that they have, they, they can have kids, a bunch of them. And God looks around and finds, ah, oh, you're barren and you're old. Come with me. Now, I don't know about you, but that ain't, that ain't the coach that you want to hire for your team. Right? But see, this is God. <laughs> he knows. But everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Because of the way he does things gives hope for us all. Doesn't it? Gives hope for us all. Hope for us all. So 10 years later, Genesis 16, verse 1, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, Abram's wife says to Abram, ready? The Lord has kept me from having kids. Now it's God's fault. Christians don't do that. The Lord has kept me in this. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So Abram said, how dare you talk that way? I'm God's man, chosen one. Come on, Sarah. Don't worry about it. God said you will have a kid. What does Abram do? What hope to God none of you will do. And that is, bring it on. So Hagar conceived. I got teens in here. I got to be careful how I say this. Hagar conceived. She realized she was pregnant. She became very proud and arrogant toward her mistress, Sarai. Sarai, Abram, the Lord is holding me from kids. It's his fault. Take my maid, do your thing, and we'll have kids through her. I'm just revealing truth. Ready for Sarah's attitude? Then Sarah said to Abram, how many are married in here? All right, pay attention. This is all your fault. <laughs> Some of the guys are so scared to even <laughs> acknowledge that. Come on, guys. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she's treating me bad. See, they needed marriage counseling. That's all there is to it. She's treating me terrible. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. What is she? What? When I read that, that's all. I have no ability to translate that in any 
deep Hebrew meaning other than this. What? What are you, what are you talking about? How, what? All right, moving right along. Abraham replied, hey, she's your servant. Deal with it. Isn't that what a guy would do? Like, I, I ain't getting involved in this. That's what he does. She's your servant. Deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that Hagar runs away. Okay, so she's gone because she was treated harsh. That means she was beat probably. And just, I mean, really not treated right. In verse seven, remember, what we have here is we have God's man and God's woman. These are the ones, these are gonna start this whole race that's gonna bring Jesus. That's them. That's our family. The faith, father of Abraham, father of our faith. That's it, that's our picture. That's the beginning. And then you go down this, this line of, of Israel, they all screwed up. I mean, they are messed up people. But we all are messed up people, right? We needed Jesus. Man, we need Jesus so bad. And so this is how God's gonna ultimately get to that point. But as we're looking at this picture, we're seeing something now. Hagar's in this mix. What did she do wrong? Nothing. You got two people that are trying now to force God's plan. Make, God, let me help you since you can't do it this way. Not that any of us would ever be that way. Right? No way. God's way all the way, baby. Uh-huh. And then what do we do? We get our stinky little hands all into stuff and mess things up, and, and then it's messed up, and then we start blaming God. Oh, you don't think so? Then why do you run from him? Just a serious question. Why, when you do these things, do you run from him? Now, that's important thought to reconcile in your own heart because I had to. I heard God's voice audibly. It's the first time I heard it. Now, I hear his voice here. I know his word. I hear him, but it's not like this. And I heard his voice through a process of downfalls early in my Christian walk. See, I thought God stopped loving me because I made, I fell into a trap and, and started hanging around some guys I shouldn't hang around with, guys from my past. It's amazing how that worked out, but guys I partied with, guys I played baseball with, guys that, you know, just your, your guys, all of a sudden start coming back into your life. It's like a setup. But see, I got Jesus now, and this is early on in my walk. I mean, first year. And I got hooked up and started doing what I shouldn't have been do, doing. And I got to a place where I ran from God because, see, I didn't know him. Like a lot of you, 
And that's why you run from him. When you know him, you'll run to him. You, you will. You, when you know him, you'll run to him. When you don't know him, you'll run from him. And so I ran from him because I was guilty. No doubt, I'm guilty. I'm out doing things I shouldn't be doing. I'm, I'm a believer now. I got, I, I, I got saved, man. I, I won most my apartment complex. I, I won most my family members to Jesus. I was crazy, man. Serious, I was crazy. I got aunts, uncles, grandpas, grandmas. I was getting everybody saved. My parents, my brothers, everybody. I was getting everybody saved. In my apartment complex, I could have started my own church there. I mean, every, I was getting everybody saved. Bringing people to church, it was crazy. But now I'm, I'm sinner number one. I got, the, I got the apartment complex knocking on my door going, Danny, where are you? What's going on? I'm hiding from these people. Man, it was a screwed up life. But ultimately, end result is I got to a place where I ran to Jesus. I got to the mountains. I wanted to get away from everything and just get in the mountains and just, I, it's just what I want. It's like clean to me. And I get up there and I'm just, I'm just so open to God and I start breaking down crying. And I scream out, why'd you leave me? I don't know, I don't know. I just know what I felt. So I'm out in the middle of this, the up above Payson on the rim and I'm up there and there's a billion stars out there and I'm crying going, why'd you leave me? And his voice spoke. It's sort of scary, not his voice, but that whole sense. And he said, Daniel. And it was, it was stern, but loving. He said, I never left you. I never forsook you. And everything just, just cleansed from me. The whole feeling, the whole experience of what happened, I was whole again. And that was the last time I ever had been in a position of believing that God would ever lead me. Now, did I have full knowledge and understanding? No, this still came later, but I believed. No matter what I did, no matter what happened in my life from that point, he would never, ever lead me because he said he wouldn't. He spoke his word to me. Do you have any voices coming to you at night? and they aren't lining up exactly with the word, run, because yeah. it ain't God, all right? Moving right along. Hagar is in this position where she's been hurt, and in verse seven, it says, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, this is the first time it's mentioned, this is the first time, not the last time, but the first time it's mentioned in the Old Testament, and that is Jesus before he came on in, in before he came through Mary. So this is Jesus manifesting on this earth. So you got God on this earth, and the, it's called he's called the angel of the Lord. And you can tell it's God because an angel can't say this. All right. So it says, and the angel, Jesus. Well, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness. Everybody say wilderness. wilderness. See, when you're in a position of being in a bad place, you feel like you're in a wilderness, right? 
I, I mean, you feel alone. You're in a desert. She's in a desert. She's in the wilderness. She has no hope, nowhere to go. She's pregnant, no answers. She's invisible to the world. I'm sure some of you feel this way or have felt that way. The Bible's gonna help us. The angel said, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Interesting question because when you're in the desert, man, that's usually when you're going, I don't have a clue where I came from. I don't have a clue where I'm going, right? It's like, I don't have a clue about anything right now. And so he says, this is amazing. I'm running away from my mistress, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, the what? Jesus said to her, return your mistress, submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. I will give you more descendants than you can count. You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name his name Ishmael, means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This is an Egyptian slave. No covenant, no part of this plan of God. She's out in the wilderness based upon two people that were trying to get God's plan rolling. Ain't her fault. She's been beat now. I mean, yeah, she got pregnant, started having an attitude, but didn't deserve what she got. You need to hear what I'm saying because this is one of the most beautiful stories when it comes to us understanding God's care for us. It's an Egyptian. They believe in thousands of gods. She's now a part of this group because they, or they, the Egyptians gave her to Abram and Sarah. She's a servant. And now here she is pregnant, out in the wilderness, no hope, no dream, no belief whatsoever of any future for her life. And God comes on the scene. God comes on the scene. What's God going to do? First of all, he speaks information to her that'll help her life, and I'll prove this. He says, get back there. Now, I can guarantee you, if God's saying get back there, it ain't in the same circumstances as you left. There's gonna be some change going on. But see, she's hearing this. She already made a run. She's already in a position of where, according to, you know, in, in this servanthood, she could even be killed. But here she is in a place where she has nowhere to go. The, the, the word says that she was on the road to Shur. Guess what that in the Hebrew means? A wall. She's hitting a wall. She's in the desert hitting a wall. God comes on the scene and says, get back. Get back there. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have a son 
What's now happened? She's now has a picture of her family is now going to continue on. She has a future because now God's saying, you're going to have innumerable descendants. Her life is changing. She's in a desert, in a wilderness with no hope. God comes. God found her. Verse 12, this son of yours, ready for this one? Wait, let me finish 11. You're gonna name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. What did the Lord hear? Your cry of distress. God hears you. This son of yours, now watch this. He's gonna be a wild man, untamed as a wild donkey. He's gonna raise his fists against everyone and everyone's gonna be against him. Oh, he's gonna live open hostility against all his relatives. The guy's gonna fight and argue with everybody. Hagar could care less. Hagar is the mama. That's all she hears is, I'm gonna have a son. He's gonna, we're gonna have all kinds of family members. And then God says, and by the way, he's gonna be messed up. She's like going, oh, I'll deal with that later. <laughs> I mean, I, I got him, I'll have him. I'll help train him away from that attitude. But right now, I got a son, descendants. God's talking to me. This is what's going on. In Hagar's condition, she leans into the good news over the negative, right? <laughs> this is crazy. So she gives this name to the Lord who spoke to her. This is the first mention of this name for God, and he keeps it, which is beautiful. Ready? The servant girl in this story who has nothing to do with the future of Israel, is caught up in, a, in this plot that Abram and Sarai cooked up to get God working, innocent in everything, and here she is in this place where God, Jesus, comes on the scene and starts giving her a promise of a great future. For her. She goes back. She does go back. She says, this is his name. You are the God who sees me. Can you imagine that? Think about Hagar. She's carrying a child. She's alone in the desert, hits a wall. Everything around her is no hope. I, there, I, I don't even know if I'm going to live. God shows up because he found her. That in the Hebrew, he literally was looking intensely to get hold of her. Now he knew where he was, but just the wordage is so beautiful. That God in your wilderness, in your desert, can find you. Can find you. And then he's going to talk to you. And so here she is receiving this information from God, and she goes, it's the God who sees me. How beautiful is that? The God who sees me. He sees me. Can you imagine what is that, what, what is that doing to her or to us? To know he's the God that sees me. 
She's insignificant to the plan of God, but here she is where God is taking this wonderful name, El Roy. El Roy. The God who sees you. Is that amazing? That is so beautiful. She said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I'm going to give you four truths, and this will encourage you in this story. Number one, God sees you. You can feel alone. You can believe no one else cares. You can believe you're invisible to the world. You're out there, and you're like, you're getting hopeless. You don't have any answers. Know this. God sees you. That means he's aware. He sees you. It's his name. He sees you. Number two, God finds those who are hurting and alone. The Lord found Hagar. That means he searched. Now we see it as God going, oh, where was she at? Angels, can you help me? That's not what this is saying. This is for us, language for us to understand that she was someone that had value. She went looking for that valuable person. God will find you. God will find you wherever you're at, in your wilderness, in your pain, in, in your desert, God will find you. Number three, God knows all about your troubles. He what? He knows about all your troubles. Remember, the Bible says he cares for you. He what? He cares for you. That word care is cool. And it literally means to grab hold of. It's a picture of like a, like a cup with water inside it. And that water is being held by the cup. And it's also a picture of being grabbed by someone and held completely by them. Woo. God cares for you. Psalms 139.1 says this, O Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You alone know when I sit down and when I get up. You read my thoughts from far away. You watch me when I travel and when I rest. You are familiar with all my ways. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me, you're there. Then up ahead, you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. Is that amazing? Verse six, this is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. That psalmist wrote that knowing he wasn't perfect, knowing that he makes mistakes, knowing that he has failure in your li- his life, knowing that he has actions of sin in his life, not perfect, but he wrote this about a God and how much that God loves him. So if you can read this and exempt yourself from all your failures and mistakes and dumb and realize this is how God works, 
He's about how he knows you, not how you know you, how he knows you. Now, if the real you takes a little time to get out, hey, so be it. But the truth is this, he knows you, the perfect you. That's what we're doing. We're trying to get the perfect us out. How do we get the perfect us out? By renewing our mind. Number four, I love this one. God takes action. He just doesn't speak words. He takes action. Hagar believed. How do we know? Because she goes back. She goes back. I don't know what that is. We don't know what the picture looked like, but Hagar goes back into the fold. But we do know that nothing negative, in a sense, happened because we would have heard a story about it. And I believe that God spoke to Sarai and dealt with them in their attitude. And so she goes back and she's received and she's carrying this child. She has a child, Abram names him Ishmael, and then for 13 years, their family, they're living together. It's all good. There's nothing negative. Abram loves Ishmael. Hagar is a part of the family now. Think about this. And the Bible says, on the 14th year, he has Isaac. But before he has Isaac, the covenant child, this is what God says. You guys ready for this? Hagar could have said, I'm out of here. I ain't going back to that witch. No way. I mean, I'm glad that, you know, you got a name for him and everything else, but this ain't going to work. No, she, she believed. She, she looked at a God that says, I'm, I found you, and I see you. I'm going to help you. And she believes. She goes back, and now look what happens. Ishmael, look what takes place. Genesis 17, 20. This is 13 years later. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. This is Abraham was talking about Ishmael. I have blessed him. Woo. I will make him fruitful. He will multiply exceedingly. Look at the words being used. He shall have 12 princes. So he's, he's building this amazing picture now. And I will make him a great nation. That's a whole different tone, isn't it? Because we have a little servant good, little servant girl. Said, you know what? I'm going to trust the God who sees me. I was lost and now I'm found. My life's never going to be the same again. I have hope. I have a future. I have a picture of, 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 of this, this beautiful lineage. But see, there was a time when this didn't look right. It looked dark. And I can say that with you. There are times when you're looking at the wrong things like I did back in my time, and it was dark. And I didn't have any hope. And I was scared. I thought I'd let everybody down. All the people I loved and led to Jesus were calling me, and I wouldn't answer their calls. My mom. That one hurt the most. 
She'd leave messages crying. I wouldn't talk with her. Pretty bad when you believe that God won't love you and he won't forgive you. The problem is, is I didn't know him, which could have saved me a lot of pain and trouble. But I got to know him. And from that day, it's never, ever took place in my life again. No matter what I've been through, no matter what I feel I've done wrong or whatever, I never will ever have an abandonment feeling. I know he loves me with great love. He'll never leave me. He will never forsake me. And because of that, I can screw up. I can blow it. I can make mistakes. I can feel lost sometimes. But I know he sees me. It's his name. He sees me. So I'm going to start giving him every care. Sometimes I hold on to him because I think, you know, I can, I can take care of this. But I think I'm going to be a better example if I just give them all to God. Now, he's going to give me the wisdom and anything necessary to deal with the issue. But I want you to know something, the last part about this statement of how good God is, is what he revealed in Jesus in the book of Acts. And he says, God anointed Jesus with power in the Holy Spirit to where Jesus went about doing good. Everybody say, went about doing good. He went about doing good. See, this is who he was. This is the, the life of the Lord. This is the life of God in the flesh. He went about doing good, healing, setting free, delivering all who are oppressed. Everybody say oppressed of the devil. See, the word oppressed is, is the, 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 it's a demonic power meant to keep you in a place of anxiety, fear, worry, no hope. And the Bible says that Jesus came to deliver us from that. How can we keep holding on to cares when we got a Lord that walks this way? I'm gonna receive it, are you? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth of the word. We're not gonna carry weight around and, and just heavy down, load our life down with cares, we're going to be free. And as we cast our cares to you, we recognize the importance of building this relationship of your love for us. Your word says you first loved us. You first loved us. So it's not based upon our good or, or bad. It's not based upon us making right choices or wrong choices. It's based upon you. You choose to love us. You chose to find Hagar. You chose to bless her. You chose to impact her life. You received her, her thoughts of who you are a God that sees. And so, Father, we, in the same place, by faith, receive all this into our lives this morning. We will experience the freedom of living a carefree life because that's what you want us to live. A life full of your goodness, full of your blessing. Oh, we know issues and problems would come, no doubt. We know there are gonna be challenges, but... We do know this, we are to cast all 
our care upon you because you care for us. So that's what we will do. We will be obedient to your word and we will be blessed because of it. Thank you, Father, for this truth, this revelation. And we thank you that we're no longer the same. The word of God has impacted us big today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you. Thank you.